all eyes. Um, episode sixty-five. Epi, 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 epi. Right. That's become a normal thing, even in conversation between us, <laughs> right. yeah. like with planning and whatnot. It's like it doesn't. We don't call them episodes anymore. Until we feel like saying epi. Yeah. Right. Um, I do think it's one of those things where you could get you could start going epi 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 and just get stuck in a loop, and then right. that would be the moment like you would have short your psychotic circuit or break. something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what have you guys been doing? What have you guys been looking at? What have you guys been visually fixated on? You know, on our honestly, I got to be well. First off, welcome to the movie Schmovie. Welcome, to the movie. Yeah. yeah. Welcome back, guys. I'm John. Um, I'm Steve, and I'm Ron. Um, I thought I I know Steve and I had mentioned uh, there were a couple stories, little tidbits. Oh yeah, that uh, that not necessarily things we've watched, but things that are sort of happening right now that might be worth talking about. Um, would be the Ooh, uh, the, the Veronica Mars. Oh yeah, Kickstarter. that's huge. That's pretty interesting. Huge. I just checked. Have you heard about that? It's up to three point seven. No, what is it? Million? Huh? Well, huh? No, yeah. So like their goal it. was two million. They've got twenty four days to go. They're they're yeah. they're edging up towards you. four million at this point. And they're going to get all the money, which is crazy. Well, it's, it it makes me feel a little funny though that doesn't Warner Brothers still technically own? They do. I, I mean, I understand that fans are excited, and you know, I I watched that show. I, I was not one of the people that mm. that contributed to the Kickstarter, but. It crossed my mind, and then I, then I the, two hours later the story was it's already met the goal. So yeah, but like the, this is a uh, first. This it's is a, interesting this, this though is a to first. to think about the things that could happen that wouldn't happen otherwise. But what I find a little strange is that this is like uh, I don't know. It feels like it could be sort of a studio's way of kind of seeing what the demand for something is. And finding a way to kind of defray their costs because right. like at this point, if they put a, if they put even if they kick it up to ten million, if they put another five million in for the budget, and then it they do ten get, million yeah. for for marketing or or fifteen million for marketing or whatever it is, you know, it's usually isn't the marketing budget usually what the budget of the movie is, if not more. So, like, let's say that they're in twenty million or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a win win for them. But is the audience that would rush out and go see the movie not? I mean, I looked. There's fifty six thousand backers. Is that not? a sizable chunk of the people that would run yeah. out and go see this movie. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on how many screens they put it on. It's just, it's, it's, I it, think they're going to just sell it. I, I, I don't, I'm getting the idea that they're not going to show it. No, in they're the going to do theaters. a theatrical run. Yeah. They're going to do a theatrical mm-hmm. run. And also the weird part too is like, well, Kickstarter adds another thing, which is a participation element where you get rewards. Sure. That's oh, what, sure. That's what it is. Yeah. Right? Which is yeah. this different. That's I'm not going to lie. Different. I'm, I almost, I, I actually was considering buying one of the higher end packages. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. The seven hundred fifty dollar package, <laughs> really? Only you because you get a produce, producer credit. Well, something like that. But you also got to like go to the red carpet premiere and like that's walk. In, I mean, yeah, that's insane mm-hmm. for somebody in Baltimore, Maryland, in their room to be able right. to say, "I'm in. I'm yeah. gonna walk the red carpet with whoever the hell you know, Kristen Bell." And she'll probably and, talk to you. Yeah, she I mean, I'm, nice we, I'm I'm confident that she'd probably want to hang out. Were you guys yeah. fans of the show? At all? I did like Veronica Mars. Yeah, yeah it's I fun show. It's, cute. I it was it's, cool. it's 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 very. Uh, I don't know, like it, it's it's. Unique. I don't know. It's like fun, yeah, it was, fun. Unique. I don't know. It's it's hard to put a finger on it, but it really it really is hard to put a finger on what because yeah. it, it didn't what always worked. work one hundred percent. But yeah, there but were it, there was there were good characters and there was you know there were arcs that were interesting. No, it was exactly. definitely a, a, a. I think I think unique is one of those words like quirky that doesn't really mean anything. But right. it's it it, it I am tempted to say it was a unique show just because it was a little bit film noir. It was a little bit like. Like a substitute for Buffy and that yep. whole universe after it went off the air, and Kristen Bell was also just an actress that if you'd been watching 
like she was on Deadwood. She right. popped up in these different right. interesting roles. So it was like it was a good vehicle for her kind of. She's great snarky, in House of, House of Lies. Sarcastic. She's so good in that show. Yeah. It's funny that you use, like the, the term unique. I you know where this conversation goes, and the, what this kind of what this campaign might do for other properties, you know that may may go down this avenue. It's like I feel like you could you'd probably call a lot of those shows unique as well, right? You know, it definitely fits a there's there's a I don't want to say a mold or a template, but a lot of shows that didn't make it or that found an audience only temporarily to be canceled. Um, you know, those unique ones, the show is unique, the fan base is unique, the want yeah. for the show is unique, and mm-hmm. that's really what fuels something like this. But you make a great point: is that you know. You know, if whatever the number, 56,000 people that backed it, or 5,600, whatever you said. 56,000. Thousand, right. Backers, you know, if every, if every single one of them goes and buys a ticket, you're not really, you know, you're you're not making that budget back, you know, mm-hmm. if, if it's just those people, if it's just the people that sought this out. Yeah. Which, you know, obviously that's not the case. It's going to be more. Well, I think that there's, to see. I think there are various ways that you could see the movie being marketed to a new audience and picking up new fans. But Absolutely. I, but I think that that kind of speculative aspect... It just suggests to me that if it's not this project, it would be another project where there's a sort of, you know, well, there's two things you can see happening. One is you can see someone finally, like eventually somebody trying to raise money for a project that doesn't raise the, doesn't meet its limit, doesn't meet its goal. I actually just saw it. Well, I mean, but but I'm saying with this kind of high profile, what if it was something like... Well, a television show or a, a, a sequel to a movie. If it like th- that's Aaron, a real firefly. Aaron McGruber, uh, the dude that writes uh, Boondocks, wanted to get a Uncle Ruckus mm-hmm. movie made, and it didn't make gold. Yeah, and they just wanted two hundred thousand dollars, and that did not make it. Well, I mean, then you, Steve, you oh. just mentioned Serenity or Firefly. Well, that would yeah. take that movie was like thirty million. Yeah, and it yeah. was low budget for what to it was. With, yeah. So it's like it's hard to picture how that would work. Plus, I don't think jo- Joss Whedon needs. The help right now with a project he might want to make. I'm sure he could yeah. get another He's thirty million. Like getting it now. I think Firefly has more to do with people's schedules. All those actors are all you know doing different things now. But either way, I just mean I think that it's an interesting thing to see this fan base come out because I had always, I mean, several times over the last few years there was mention that there might be a Veronica Mars movie. I remember hearing the same thing about that show Party Down. Yeah, that there might That's be a movie. Be Every now and then a show ends, and they're that. already talking about the movie. You yeah. know, like Fringe was the same way. They were already talking about the possibility of a movie. I literally was going to say I Party think, Down should. Yeah, I think Party Down is an interesting choice, and Veronica Mars for largely the same reason, which is that you could see them doing what they like. They're not wildly expensive shows. Like to create the world of Veronica Mars, you could do a a cheap movie. Yeah. That. That tells a good story. That I mean, still I guess, could look good, at, yeah. You know, so that's that's pretty neat. And I, you know, it. I I think that it's kind of heartwarming to see that clearly the cast of the show wanted to come back and like that they were all attached to those characters and wanted to see some closure because it did kind of end on an unresolved note. Sure. But I didn't feel like it was an unresolved note that like I'm not sitting here just begging for the next chapter. But as a fan of the show, I'm definitely on board, and I'm glad it's. I mean, I'm glad it worked. Yeah. But there is that slightly somewhere behind the scenes, I can sort of feel like corporate fingers figuring out ways to take advantage of yeah. of like avid fan base. Uh, well, well, the thing you're never going to avoid that, right? Anything yeah. that works will be exploited, mm-hmm. and that yeah. that's just a fact. And I think Kickstarter, it's geared towards entrepreneurs. It's geared towards yeah. this is the case fans. Mm-hmm. That's what this kind of campaign I think goes after is a fan. Is this you know, unfair? I guess it's, unfair? Is, is this unfair to, to the, whom? To, to anybody, anybody that. Something well, I, I like wonder this how many people of that fifty six thousand. I wonder how many of them are people that are avid fans of the show, mm-hmm. and how many of them are just people who think this is a neat thing and want to be in on the ground floor, kind of supporting yeah. 
this type of effort. So I guess what I'm wondering is if the next show that does it, is it just going to be it? Does does Veronica Mars have the advantage of being the first project of this scale that's being done in this way, and that there's a certain amount of excitement about it? Is it going to be harder for the next thing to raise? Yeah, two, three, you four, so? five million dollars. I guess it really I, depends on the I, property. You know? Has I, anything I, ever done this much? I'm not, I heard of like products doing this much. Has any? No, this is the most. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it's, that it's that's ever. I think this is the most of any individual Kickstarter campaign. Campaign. Yeah. Because I've heard of a million. I've always seen them. Like, I've yeah, seen, seen couple, things at a million. But yeah. never $3 million. Like, it's... 3.7 3. million. 3. Wow. Um, so it's interesting. I, yeah. I think that it's pretty amazing. I think the one thing that added to everything is that everybody that was involved, for the most part, is participating. Mm-hmm. And they made that incredible video. Like, that was a really cool video. It made me want to contribute something, although I didn't. Yeah. No, I watched it and thought, oh, maybe I'll do that. And then yeah. when I... Like, I said... I checked it and it was already doing so well. I thought, okay, well they don't yeah. need my money. I'll still that, see it. You know, at that point I had seen that it was like two point five. Mm-hmm. That's the point where I saw it. Um, I was like, whoa, wow. I'd I'd been reading things on Twitter about it, but I I think that the, the digital age is changing everything. It's changing everything. I mean, something I guess, would never get made. I guess just to kind of, uh, like, put a bow on my thoughts on it. I think Kickstarter is a cool thing when you think about it being one of those things that kind of removes the barrier between an artist and their fan base, you know, like whatever you think of like Amanda Palmer. And I do, I can see the kind of both sides of that issue. But I think that idea of the artist asking for money, I mean, it's, it's just whatever the fan base for that artist will bear, you know, like if if it's not, it's only too much if it fails, like with Aaron Magruder, like obviously he expected his fan base to be more into something he wanted to do than they really would be. Yeah. Um, or maybe sometimes your fan base is more likely to be a fan base that that is going to... I mean, you know, it's probably different fan bases, different projects. We're going to see a difference there. But I think what creeps me out just a little bit is that notion that this is like a step that a studio could take and kind of make it seem like a grassroots effort. But, it's but really, really not, just kind yeah. of see, can we raise some money? Can we kind of... Can we sort of subsidize this project we 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 think we want to do yeah oh we've got oh we want to spend 10 million on veronica mars movie oh if we can raise five million on kickstarter then we can only kick in five we'll look like good guys for kicking in another five yeah but really we just built the fans for money and those you know theoretically those fans are going to go out and go see the movie yeah i don't know but you know whatever it is like if steve was mentioning like the set visit or the the uh the red carpet or whatever i could see that kind of thing being perfect for that really avid fan yeah and and maybe those people have expendable income they want to spend it on something anyway so it's not maybe it's money they would spend anyway but sure. there is something well they'll make it. it happen because they're such big fans you know what i mean yeah. like seven seven fifty is if you're if you're a avid veronica mars fan if that is what you can get some people they'll they'll save for that you know what i mean like so that's pretty cool. I, yeah, I I can I watched every episode and I would, but I don't consider myself an avid fan. So I guess maybe that's <laughs> what I'm getting at is I think there's this higher level of fan or this per, either a bigger fan than I can imagine, or a person who just has the money and thought, oh, this seems <clears throat> kind of cool. Like this yeah. seems like a neat thing. Watched uh, so one instance of something working through Kickstarter that I've seen kind of work amazingly is uh, t- well, two things. I saw TED Talks very recently called The Art of Asking. The whole idea that like it was Amanda Palmer, wasn't it? Is Amanda? Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that was hers. Her TED talk. 
I think so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. It was. That was inc- incredible. But the, I think that's why it, why it worked. It wasn't mm-hmm. begging. It was kind of like a nice video, not asking. Mm-hmm. The the tears were on the side. Wasn't begging. Then I saw a show. I, there's a show called Awkward Black Girl that's run on YouTube. Uh, they needed $100,000. And it was presented in the same way. Like, this is our show. It, this is how it works. We need funding. You know, if you want to see it go on, you know, help us out. They got like $200,000. And then um, they got like a major, major sort of sponsorship through Pharrell Williams. And he put them on his channel, I Am Mother. But seeing Kickstarter really work and see it benefit people mm-hmm. like her. But people that really don't have funding mm-hmm. is is a pretty amazing thing, and and I guess to extend. Some I'm, a, I'm mixed on Amanda Palmer, but I do I I do like she she's I, I, a, she's I, a hypnotic person. She's like something about her is hypnotizing. I don't know what it is. Like I don't even think she's like that yeah. pretty, but like it's something about listening to her for like ten minutes. You're like, oh my goodness, I think I want to give her money right now. It's very strange. I haven't had that spell put on me, but I do think it's an interesting conversation to have started, which is just like, what is that relationship between the artist and their audience? And maybe really, like, we're just seeing it evolve, and it's it's changing yeah. into something different. And it, there is a certain thing to be said for just if you you know you'll never know if you don't ask what what you could get started oh, yeah, in that yeah, way, yeah. you know. But like. I, it does seem to me that unless you have a real plan worked out, it's it's easy to picture somebody using Kickstarter to try to you know cover their ass while they're working on a project or something. And I don't really <laughs> right. think that's the point of it. The point of it to me seems to be like, here's this work I've done. I you know in order to produce the CDs or in order to to get a vinyl pressed, mm-hmm. we need this kind of money. But not like I want you to help me pay my rent for the three months while I'm working on my album or something. You know, it's right. like yeah. I, I think there is something kind of distasteful about about expecting your audience to sort of foot the bill for your existence. Yeah, yeah. But if you've got some product or an actual project that's actually got a plan, it's actually going to happen. I mean, I've seen several I've seen several like movie projects on there. Um and and it's it's always interesting to see the idea that here's here's a project that just might not get made at all if if it doesn't have backing, you know. Was it what's her name? Amanda Amanda Palmer. Palmer. I'm watching it, I didn't even get her name. I was so Have either of you ever backed anything on Kickstarter? I've backed a few things, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I'm I backed a case or something. I'm on like there that. every day, like yeah. looking for shit to back. Yeah. I've actually backed. I backed a movie called Jeff, which, at, which actually was at the Maryland Film Festival this oh, yeah, past yeah. year, which is uh, actually available on Sundance Now demand right now. They renamed it to the Jeffrey Dahmer Files. Oh yeah, where it's yes. like a pseudo documentary oh, reenactment yeah. about uh, about Jeffrey Dahmer. Did and, you just um, say it was recently on demand? Because it's think on it was. Sun, it's, it's like Sundance Now. I think is like. That's who I think picked it up, yeah. you know, to release it. I don't know if it's on iTunes or. I think anything it was like on that. demand not too long ago. Yeah, um, but like you know things like that and just design tech stuff like uh, you know stuff for your phone or whatnot. Like yeah. I, I just backed this random thing called like uh, it's like shoe anchors, like mm-hmm. so you don't have to tie your shoes anymore. Like random mm-hmm. shit, you know. Yeah. You find a lot of cool stuff on there. It's pretty amazing. I think, I think the only question I really, I mean, I, I don't really have much concern about the Veronica Mars thing. The only. I guess the 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 piece you look at and worry about is just that if it's a way for, I guess if it's a property that's owned by a studio that could pay for it themselves if they really wanted to make it, if it's just them like basically pre-selling, right? A that's property, kind of what I'm getting at. You know, I, I you know I, I picked that up and I, I kind of agree with that. I mean, because the other thing you think about is like people that are backing this at most at every level, 
they're getting some version of the film. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're paying $50 for a DVD or a Blu-ray, whatever it is. So are they going to go see the movie still? You know, if they're getting... I would imagine they would if they were going to put that kind of money in, but you I never mean, know. You, you, you would think, yeah, but, it, you know, if, if I did that, I don't know that I would go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I guarantee guarantee well, what, if, like what if, say, there's a month before... Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, there's, there's they've got to have some way that it's staggered or maybe you get it, like... It seems like if you get the Blu-ray instantly... Then sure. there's no reason that you would need to go sure. to the theater. Isn't it? Isn't it going to be that? I have a gut feeling it's going to be like same day as movie release. I, I wouldn't I be surprised if it is. That, that, that's that's not only that seems that. fair because they're doing that more and more. You know, with these digital releases, day yeah. and date releases, it it makes sense for that. But I could see them having some kind of like at least a couple of screenings or something that are like designed to kind of get people that. I mean, maybe who knows? I don't know. I, I didn't look at it. Did any of the packages contain like tickets or anything like that? Where there, were, you know, to uh, once the movie opens? Yeah. I don't think so. No. no. The only things in terms of showings were just like uh, the 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 red carpet, like the premiere thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think I, I, I all in all, I think it's pretty pretty awesome. I think it's kind of not not yeah, just yeah, for I'm, Veronica Mars and for their fans, but I mean, also a big piece of this publicity is also for Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. You know, let's oh, keep yeah, that huge. in mind too. You know, a lot of people that never knew about Kickstarter, pretty much any tech blog, movie, yeah. entertainment blog you go to, it's been mentioned at least a dozen times in the past week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's probably turned tons of people on to those genuine people that need the backing, like Ronald's talking about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a there's a publicity piece that's really great for Kickstarter as well. Even if it's not Veronica Mars, even if it's uh, Pushing Daisies, a Terrier, any show that you want to talk about that got, you know, cut before... Which both, we, we all really wanted them to go away. You those know? both sound like shows too that could be revived relatively cheaply. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's just you know whether it's those, it's like the hand that feeds. Like is the studio ex- exploiting the system, or the fact that the studio is bringing its attention to the system is it actually making it more successful for mm-hmm. the people that are a part of it already yeah. that really need more attention? Yeah. You know, oh yeah, Veronica Mars on Kickstarter, but when I go to the page, the featured one next to her is you know. Inventor X with this awesome new like uh, iPhone dock or whatever the hell it is, which yeah. I never would have probably seen if I hadn't gone. That's very true. If I, were, I mean, another thing to think about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, one other little story I know that we thought was at least worth mentioning would be the choice of director for Jurassic Park 4. Mm-hmm. Who is? Steve? I can't even pronounce his name. Um, the director of Safety Not Guaranteed, which... I know Ronald, I guaranteed I loved. Ronald loved it. I liked it. Um, I think it's like another one of those choices where it's... It's Trevorrow. 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 Colin Trevorrow. Uh, you know, it's very... I mean, I guess out of the box. I mean, if you look at the, that film, I think it just kind of brings a sense of... Uh, or a touch of, like, sensibility to what maybe he would be able to add to, like, a blockbuster franchise. Right, right. You know, we talk about movies like... Uh, or, I mean, directors that are basically making smaller films that really catch on in some way, but then being handed the keys to the Ferrari, you know, like, you know, is it intimidating for them? Or is it more of a, you know, a launch pad for not only for their career, but for some other vision that they, you know, saw safety not guaranteed? Or I always think of the guy that did Chronicle, and now he's, like, doing, like, the Fantastic Four reboot. Right. You know, these mm-hmm. small That's films, really Matt example. Reeves and somebody else I think of, the guy yeah. that directed... um like Cloverfield and like let me in and he's doing like bigger films now, but it's just, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I love that they keep going to these smaller people that probably eight out of 10 people don't know who the hell that guy is, you know, but that's because I think that makes me feel like they look at talent, you know, or a vision or some conversation that happened behind a closed door. Cause safety not guaranteed wasn't really a hugely successful commercial film. Critically, it did really well. Right, but right. 
I mean, I think it's pretty inspiring that Spielberg, whoever it is, you know, is like sees enough there to say, here, take this over because it's it's, it's, a, it's a big one. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I think it's all about handling the, I mean, maybe something like Safety Not Guaranteed, which I didn't see, but I know was a time travel story, sure. but it was wrapped in a in a sort of indie movie shell, and it was more about the relationships. Sure. You can totally imagine why they would look at someone like that and say, not so much the budgetary side of it, but just the idea that this person is likely to invest uh, a movie with a quality it might not have otherwise had. Like, I know even with Jurassic Park 3, that Alexander Payne was one of the guys that did a script polish on it. Yeah. And that's, that type of choice always makes me think that they what they're interested in is taking something like, you know, Jurassic Park that you might be able to, you might imagine the kind of dumbed down version of a sequel and, and just to give it some other quality. Like, even though it didn't really work that well in Jurassic Park 3, yeah. you get the sense that they were bringing those writers in to like punch up the character relationships and stuff. And so I could see if this guy has a handle on that kind of sci-fi ideas, but maybe doing something a little more human and interesting in there. That'd like, be I mean, I... I, I this is what I always wondered why it didn't happen anyway. All these years, I've thought, why not give interesting directors these big movies just well, to see, you know? Yeah, I think that things have to have legs now. Like, I think that you can't... Big-budget things fail all the time now. I think that, that there used to be less failures in that way for big-budget things, and now they're just... Some things are just... Withering I out. I think we might just be more aware of it. I'd be interested to note that. But you're right, Ronald. It does you know seem I mean? like, like these huge movies come out, and 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 it's really a crapshoot. Yeah, I think I think it's because it's just more available. I mean, because bootlegging is at an all time high. Um, people want to see good movies in theaters if they're going to invest their money now, because things are a lot more expensive than they used to be. So I think that if if you're gonna make a big budget movie, it has to have legs now. It has to be good. It, people don't just go to see like remember like summertime. Everybody used to go see every big movie that came out. Or I don't you, know. You felt like there was a way to even go see every like it was yeah. a little more spread out the way the big movie. Yeah, now it feels almost impossible because there's so many kind of thrown at you at once. So they have to be good now, and it, there's no reason for it not to be good. They have the resources. They have writers. They have visually it can be stunning. It will be stunning. That's mm -hmm. a guarantee now. Who's gonna make a good movie? Right. That's I guess that's the that's the thing now. So I I think the choice is really pretty amazing. So it's uh, I can't wait to see what what he's gonna do with it. So you know it's not too different from I mean even though we all knew who Joss Whedon was before he got the Avengers, but it's not too different from the way the the general audience might have felt when it was announced that he was doing that movie. Just in the sense that. Here's a guy who may be kind of untested with this type of movie. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's just something that that the studios are 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 willing to do right now is is like what can we do? Like what's the best way to push one of these franchises forward? Is it to just rehash it and do the the kind of lowest common denominator version of the movie or is it to like maybe run the risk of something not working 100% but to also potentially have, you know, a legitimately good movie. Now, I don't know anything about this movie. Did you hear anything about the... Uh, Are there really going to be half dinosaur, half human uh, That's things? what I was going to say. Is I've heard oh my for Jesus, years I saw that, that, that was picture. this genetically modified dinosaur. I, I've heard that that version of the script that had like human dinosaur yeah. commandos, I've heard that that has been sidelined for it. I saw pictures of it. Oh <laughs> it was God, hilarious. No. It was so bizarre that it almost... <laughs> it's like part of me wonders, like, should I be wishing that that was the movie they were making? Because that sounds so ridiculous. It sounds like it might like just work because it's yeah. so bad. Like, it's just that far-fetched. I, mean, I don't know. 
I don't know, yeah, dinosaurs. Yeah, like, are they going to talk? Are they, yeah. <laughs> they going to have, like, big army suits on? That's weird. I don't know. I, I think it, I, I, I like the idea. I'm always for not going with a conventional choice for a lot of things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, tr- I'm trying to pull up a couple different, like, reference points here. But, like, well, I mentioned, uh, like, Rupert, well, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, like, Rupert Wyatt, I think is a really good example of somebody that had really only directed one film that had any kind of mainstream release, not even really mainstream, called The Escapist, which was actually pretty good, I thought. Uh, Matt Reeves, the guy that did uh, Cloverfield, Let Me In. He's doing the next He's doing the Dawn of the the Planet of the Apes, the next one, in in like a rebooted, successful franchise. I loved Rise of the Planet of the Apes. That was Um, a solid movie, man. I was very surprised how great it was. Josh Trank's the guy that did Chronicle. I he's mean, doing the Fantastic Four. A sleeper Four. hit. He's doing Fantastic Four. He's been rumored for the. It's Venom so weird film. that they're like rebooting that. I mean, did you? What did you think about the last set of of what Fantastic Four? Fantastic Four. I did not like any of them. You didn't like any? Yeah, of they were them. pretty bad. No, pretty bad. Um, they're campy. But then I'm like trying to think yeah. of like names of guys that are now huge or like you know besides like Whedon obviously with with the Avengers, but like you know being given the keys to the to, to successful properties that are either rebooted or continued with sequels. But like people that come to mind immediately for me is somebody like um, uh, what's his name? Um, oh my god, Matthew Vaughn. Mm-hmm. You know, like working on a movie like Layer Cake or Stardust, kind of small film. Stardust mm-hmm. is kind of a mainstream success, but then he goes into Kick Ass, and a year later he's doing X Men First Class. You know, mm-hmm. huge property in a lot of ways a re a rekindling of that franchise for for the for 20th Century Fox, and even somebody like Brian Singer. You know, I, I'm looking at a couple of different people, like with superhero franchises, like you know, Usual Suspects, really successful, great movie, really well written, well directed. But what had he done? And next, his next film is At Pupil, about you know, yeah. a Nazi. You know, oh, let, let's have him direct X Men next. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which actually has some Nazi ties. But I mean, <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's 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 kind of well, cool. you know, it's also like let's not forget when Tim Burton got Batman. Oh, totally, it was yeah, the same kind great, of choice. Exactly. Even though he was an so established maybe, kind of brand name, it was still like. The the risk was, I mean, I guess maybe what you're pointing out is that it's not that new of a thing that the That's studios exactly are say. are that when they look at this type of movie, what they what you know somebody up there knows that you're better off having a director with a vision than than just hiring That's it, John. Some yeah. nobody. And looking at a lot of that, like I think about it, and and that seems to be it's not something new. Like you said, it seems to be a trend, and I think it's a it's a trend for a reason because most of those properties that I mentioned. Um, with with the exception of maybe Brian Singer's Superman film, but are were, were really successful mm-hmm. and have have rekindled and are, are we're expecting the next versions or the sequels to come out in the next year or two for pretty much everything I just mentioned. Yeah, you know, so I think it's you know you kind of have like well, a, and then look conversely at when you then hand like Batman Forever to Joel Schumacher, Schumacher yeah. who was a, who was an established director of big movies, yeah. Yeah. and it's a big mess. You know, Absolutely. he definitely was not the right man for the material. Great example. I think you. you oh, he's ha- cool, man. Maybe yeah. it would be harder to find times when they've given it to big directors, like you that, know. That's like, our challenge. We have to look. Better. Well, I mean, like maybe J.J. Abrams with the Star Wars uh, Episode Seven might be the, the exception, the first real example yeah. of that. Oh, you know, let's hope it's an exception. But yeah. I'm saying, what if it's an example of? Oh, maybe you know, what if we go see that movie and go, oh, you would have been better off. Mm. I don't picture that being yeah, the yeah, case. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I wonder about that is just now that he's turned Star Trek basically into Star Wars, what is he like? <laughs> Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like his Star Trek movie is the exact reason why it seems like he would be so good at Star Wars. It's like, right. is he going to give Star Wars the same feel, or sure. is he going to find some other unexpected? I think JJ O. No, I have to find a way. You he's know, amazing. He, even without loving everything he's done, I like. I think he's smart, and I think he's like. 
his references are all he's like of my generation he seemed to kind of grow up with a lot of the same same influences as i did so so i i i think he's got a good handle on what might make a good genre film like that kind of the, again back to whedon kind of the same way he did you sure. just knew when he got on the avengers that it was a good fit and i think james gunn on guardians of the galaxy could be super fun too especially Definitely. as that cast shapes up it sounds like it's going to be a, an interesting film yeah um uh, you know, actually, I know we want to talk a little bit about movies we've seen uh, since the last time we got together, but I have a couple things I want to follow up on uh, from our last episode. Uh, Steve, we were talking about uh, Shane Carruth's film uh, that and and how to pronounce it. What do you got, John? Well, I was I was coming out on the side of Primer, and you were coming out on the side of just Primer because that seemed like what people were calling it. Mm-hmm. And I'd said that uh, I like Primer because it it the definition of Primer seem to have more to do with what the movie might be about. Right, and right, then I, right. I sort of offhandedly suggested that primer was a white coat of paint that you put down and therefore <laughs> wouldn't apply to the movie. But then Steve said, primer is what you, what has, has to be there first. It's what happens to prepare something for something. And I, the more I thought about that, I thought Steve's got a point. The movie kind of, you can imagine not to give anything away about the movie, but the idea of something needing to be there in order for something to happen as vague as that sounds, it's a huge part of the movie. So I thought, well, now I'm now I'm confused. <laughs> I don't know which it was. As be. if not by the film itself. No, the film was confusing enough. Now we have like, you know, we could Brilliant. do a, an entire about the title of the entire title. deconstruction of how to pronounce the title. So I thought, well, how who better than Shane Carruth, who wrote and directed the movie? So I thought, if I can find him oh, somewhere man. referring to the movie, uh, yeah. there you we go. can decide. Oh goodness. You Where was he something. at, John? Well, did you call him? I didn't call him, <laughs> but I uh, I lost did, the cell number. I did find a YouTube clip of him talking about the film. My name is Shane Carruth, and uh, the film's called Primer. Oh! Boom. Boom. Roasted. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I say that to the man in the mirror. It was me. It was roasted. That's a reverse boom roasted. Yeah. <laughs> boom. I'm roasted. <laughs> I mean, moob. Roasted. That's it's, called awesome. sui- it's called suicide bomb in other countries. But I also am glad because now, we've, now we know. It's, it's it never occurred to me that I could it, find him just referring to the movie somewhere. What a great idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is somebody talking about their own movie? But then I realized, what if <laughs> and we see him somewhere else and he calls it Primer? And, and then he just winks at the camera. Right. Yeah. Or just laughs maniacally. Cool. Fooled you, bitch. And he yeah. just walks away. So another, th- <laughs> <laughs> another thing uh, that had... A, was sort Another of a, pronunciation? Uh, well, no, this is not a pronunciation, this is, but it, there is a sort of follow-up aspect to it. We Last week we had, um, or not last week, but in our last episode, yeah. two weeks ago, we had Ronald do, he debuted his Gollum impression for us. It's actually not that bad. And we had a few, we had some questions in our minds about what it sounded like or who it sounded oh, like. Oh, God. So I found a few possibilities. <laughs> I don't know how we want to do this, if we want you to just do your Gollum impression. Nope, I don't now. think I got to recreate that, okay. that chaos. Well, maybe I... To hear it, you should probably go back to the episode 64. <laughs> yeah, I might Please. drop it in so that we have some reference Please for it. But do. let's just see if we can decide which of these, which of these, uh, some beloved, some not as much characters, does Ronald sound like okay. when he does his Gollum impression. The first one, this to me is the obvious touchstone. <laughs> this is the genre of voice we're dealing with, the classic. You can't talk about this type of voice without going to the original. Uh, so here's a little Donald Duck freak out. <laughs> There's definitely aspects of a Donald Duck freak out. Definitely, definitely an inspiration. <coughs> oh, God. Um, in, in our last episode, though, Steve actually brought up this one, and this is, this is maybe not too far from the truth, but we'll have to see what you guys think of this. This is uh, Animal from The Muppet Babies. Oh, well, bye-bye! 
<laughs> oh my goodness. That might be pretty close. It's close. Yeah. I think I think it's a I think it's a hybrid of probably the next option I hope you have. Maybe not. Well, we'll see. Well, <laughs> yes. Uh then it made me think of like this type of voice. <laughs> you make you talk like yeah. in a bubble in, in the back in, of your cheek or whatever. Yeah. The, the, there's a voice actor named John Biner who did a lot of cartoon voices in the 80s and I think was on Laughing. I might be wrong about that, but I feel like he was on television and kind of a character actor, kind of a comedy guy. And then he, uh, I, I knew him as a cartoon voice guy, but he did the voice of a character called Gurgi from The Black Cauldron, the Disney oh, movie. Oh, yeah. From so it, 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 it doesn't sound as much like it, but you can see it's in that family. So here we go with Gurgi. Oh, poor miserable Gurgi deserves fierce smackings <laughs> and whackings on his poor tender head. I was left with no munchings and crunchings. I mean, Gurgi's basically a Gollum ripoff. If you look at that movie, Gurgi is, uh, he's just basically, if you made Gollum cute and put fur on him. So I do think it's interesting to note that that voice sounds a little bit like what Andy Serkis is doing with Gollum. <laughs> I didn't actually go dig up the Rankin-Bass Gollum from the the, the Hobbit cartoon, but right. I wonder if that was the first instance of Gollum having that voice. I'd be interested to note where, where that started. And then the, the last choice we have here is the one that, you know, it's pretty close, but I would say somewhere between Animal and this might be the reference. Oh, God. This is uh, Howie Mandel as Bobby from Bobby's World. <laughs> It smells in here. <laughs> so I think, you know, you yeah, can... I'm going with Bobby and Animal. Yeah, like <laughs> that, a, a that, cross section between Bobby a, a and nice Animal. Little, okay. A little, little baby so, there. So, Ronald, could you treat us to a, a, a go bye-bye or a it smells in here anything in the Gollum voice or a uh, long-time deal? Uh, I'm, I don't know. Did you, like, tap into something at that moment I think you, I did, you can't man. revisit? I right. did. Did you black out? <laughs> I think it's because I have so much. I have a lot of food sitting in my stomach. And if you kind of dig into that voice, you might actually throw it up, maybe. (laughs) The thing is, you guys made me never want to do that voice ever again. (laughs) Steve's face after I did it was just like, never do that again. (laughs) Like, like if this were a slapstick comedy, if we were Stooges, he would have slapped my face after we finished. (laughs) That's the face you made. I was like, yeah, maybe I should never do that again. I, I I didn't I didn't mean to shame you, Ronald. I thought it was oh, thought it was a fine voice. But thank you, man. But, I appreciate it. Um, so, but if any, so Ronald has retired his Gollum impression. A, so if you want I'm to tired. hear, uh, we're actually going to start a Kickstarter campaign <laughs> to <laughs> kind of see if we can find the backing for uh, to, to, for the return. Yeah, it's very missed, and uh, I think there's a really big audience of probably two. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> let's set a one point. Well, I would like to. We, I, that's. Sounds natural. The money is not money that we're going to pay Ronald to do the voice, but that's money we're going to use to develop the technology to take clips of Baby Animal and Bobby from Bobby's World (laughs) and merge them together. Yep. And then use it as a simulator that we can then use to feed dialogue from Gollum into that, and then we will have the perfect Gollum impression. (laughs) There it is. Boom. Like a, I, like, I like boom the name. Yeah, boom is the boom. Boom roasted. Let me ask you a question. You know what I never thought about? Like a grant, right? Do they go back with the people that they give the money to from Kickstarter to see if they're actually putting that money towards? I mean, I wonder, yeah, that's interesting. Is that technically illegal or does it just make you lose all your fans if you right. fall, you know? If you're just like $1.5 million and you're like, the person disappeared. Like what? Yeah, right. I mean, I wonder, like, where is the thing that says we can control how that money is spent? I'm sure it's in there somewhere, but that's an interesting thing. I bet there's not. 
bet there's not, man. Does he go on good faith? I mean, I guess the people that are doing this have gone through enough steps that they're they've proven to their fans that they're trustworthy enough, yeah. I guess. Um, God, could you imagine anything more embarrassing than a failed <laughs> Kickstarter, though? Yeah. I thought I had fans, but I didn't. Right. Like, it, and I'm not <laughs> talking about like failure where like like uh, Aaron that came close. I'm talking about like the you put ten thousand dollars up and people all put like fifty dollars towards it. Yeah. And it was one person. <laughs> and it was you. <laughs> and, it, and it was your uncle. <laughs> that was it. So that'd be kind of sick. Yeah, just looking at the quick Kickstarter site on their FAQ, and it actually says um, it's the project creator's responsibility to, to complete the project. That's Kickstarter what, is not involved in the development of Holy. products themselves. They do not guarantee products, projects or investigate a creator's ability to complete their project. The backers ultimately decide the, vali- the validity and worthiness of a project by whether they decide to fund it. You or and I. Did I call you, it or did I call it? The three of us need to create <laughs> the, uh, a false, fake, okay. farcical. What we need to do is stop recording now and, and plot our, our, yeah, our right. make no record of this. The greatest action movie ever created. And then we get $3 million and then we split. Keith David signed on already, I think. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Man, that that's the problem. Would be that Keith David would be the one to hunt us down. He would say they're not <laughs> going to ruin my good name with a shotgun, he, or or David Keith for that matter. <laughs> this is true. So, so Ronald, what did you say? Let's now it's going to be like a case, lightning round of yeah, movies. Yeah, let's, let's just bang these out. Okay, yeah. uh, Stoker. Um, I do not know how to pronounce this uh, director's name. Chan Wook Park. Park. Yeah. Chan-wook okay, Park. so this gentleman. I think you just did great. Did the old boy, the Vengeance trilogy. And in case you don't know. Google that shit, mm-hmm. the Vengeance trilogy, and he did. Uh, Old boy is the the most famous of all of the movies he's done, and this one he did. Stoker. And it's the only one that has someone eating a live octopus, right? I believe yeah, so. Apparently, was that, that which Old is boy? ridiculous? Yeah, yeah. Did you uh, see it? Parts of it, I actually haven't. It's seen got the whole that thing. great fight scene in the hallway that's yeah. just incredible. Like, um, it stars Nicole Kidman, Matthew Good. Oh my god! I'm not. I'm gonna fail at this. Mia. All right. Wasikowska. That sounds right. <laughs> I'm gonna give you some help here. You. 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 I always. Ugh, I was wondering about this, and I should have looked up an interview with her in it. Yeah. Now that's our. That's our secret. Is like go to YouTube and find someone saying. Right. I think. Mia Wasikowska. Yeah, Wasikowska. Yeah. She is beautiful. Um, See, we try here on Vashik- movie. Vashikovska. Vashikovska. Are you just assuming that that's a V? I'm looking at the pronunciation on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. There's a Dermot Maroney. <laughs> that's a pretty straightforward name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good job on that one. Yeah. Um, so basically, it is uh, <laughs> stars... Uh, Everyone the, you just said. <laughs> stars everybody I've mentioned. <laughs> but it revolves around <laughs> India, played by Mia. And she loses the country. She loses her dad. Um, and there is a funeral going on. And then after this, uh, she she lives with uh, Nicole Kidman, Evelyn, and this uncle comes in that she has never met in her entire life. It kind of stays there it, it, and kind of tries to bring the family together. The creepy part is that he is very handsome. He travels the world and he's kind of walking that line and, and being kind of sexual towards the the mom and eventually india and him bond 
and it gets creepy. Now, let me tell you something I think about this movie. When I saw it, it's beautifully shot. It almost feels like Hitchcockian. If that's even a word. It is. It is, yeah. It is so beautiful. It's so beautifully done. The suspense is done just right. A lot of it is just like, there is some, some, very graphic violence, but a lot of the the suspense is implied. Like it's a lot of like suspenseful stuff. Nothing happening, but a lot of tension. The music is kind of drawing you in. The whole movie looks like a painting. The whole movie, even the dark portions, like the basement shots, looks like a painting. If you pause it, I'd put it up on the wall. Um, the dialogue is is not he- it's not heavy duty like it's kind of sprinkled throughout kind of it feels like drive well put placed dialogue mm-hmm. like drive had just enough dialogue to make it incredible you know what I'm like not too much not too little um it it was so good and seeing the relationship between India and Evelyn and Charles uh the the uncle that comes in is pretty incredible um it feels like it wasn't made in this time and then i think that was the goal mm-hmm. um Chan Chan Wook is very good at telling stories, um, and this is no different. It's it's his first completely American film, from what I understand. He's done like one of those trilogies. So I mean, those uh, movies like an that anthology have four, movie. anthology movies where mm-hmm. other directors did some stuff with Michelle Gondry and and stuff like that. But he, this is the first completely American movie that he did, and I think that it is. Absolutely amazing. I mean, it did have it. It did have. When I say amazing, I don't mean like perfect. I don't know if I'm really a big fan of what's happened to Nicole Kidman's face. What has she done to herself? Does she play someone who's had a lot of plastic surgery in this movie? Because that's like well, the only plays, thing she, she could plays, play. At this she point. plays the type of mom that would have. Okay, well that you at know least what I mean like because yeah. I mean I th- I thought very wealthy. I, I used to think she was good in things, but now every time I see her, her face just doesn't move. It's hard. It's, it's very it, strange. But she's also very beautiful. It, you know what yeah. it is? She has the face of someone that, that is beautiful, but it looks almost porcelain. It's frozen in time. Yeah. It's, it's frozen, a doll's face. And not in a good way. It's like mm-hmm. uh, when you see Joan Rivers now. Joan Rivers is not ugly. She's got a great face. You were talking about you could pause the movie and you'd put the frame on your wall. She's got a great face for pausing. Yeah. Faces move because they're fleshy and yeah. hers just kind of. I would say most faces are even made of flesh, made of human. Yeah, flesh. I don't really think weird. I don't think that hers are hers are. I'm so saying like multiple this. faces. We should see this. Oh movie. yeah, should I think we it's see worth it in the theater. Seeing, seeing in the theater. Yeah. I, I mean, yes, and and well, it's only in one movie theater right now. I have this belief that it's going to show up in a bigger movie theater pretty soon. Uh, the Cinemark. I have a mm-hmm. gut feeling it's going to show soon. What, but you yeah, inside you got some inside info, don't you? Yeah, you know somebody on the inside at Cinemark. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. All so right. ch- ch- I think it's worth checking out in the movies. It's creepy though, man. Like if you if you're up up for some some long periods of creepy, like really like cringy, strange. What did you see, Steve? Uh, I finally saw Identity Thief, which I kind of wanted to see in theaters, but like we talked about a couple episodes ago, it just kind of like disappeared. Yeah. I lost interest, forgot about its I think we were all interested yeah. in it based on the trailer, too. I mean, you know, at yeah. the time, we at least thought it was the kind of thing we might see. I mean, Jason see. Bateman, I mean, I'm a fan. Melissa yeah. McCarthy, I'm a big fan. I really, really enjoy her. Um, 
I guess, you know, I don't regret not seeing it in theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a very good film. Um, well, I knew it. It's weird, though, because it seems like a lot of it should work. It's, it's really a it's a it's a really high concept comedy plot line that doesn't really have anything built around it. You know, it's, and also in terms of like random actors that pop up in the film, like Robert mm-hmm. Patrick and John Cho are in the movie for like T.I., the, the rapper is in. I mean, like really? random people are in this movie that really have no impact on the film itself. And I mean, really, the, the two leads don't in most cases either. Um, it, it's kind of it kind of gets awkward sometimes, though, watching them so desperately reaching for laughs yeah. From nothing, you know, from from nothing in terms of a real true plot or dialogue or script. Um, did, did they just expect if they threw those two together that that, think so. that they would get comedy? I think so. And I mean, it's a, it's like two hours. It's like a, it's a long <sighs> film. Do, do um, I have to repeat it, it's roughly, this statement again? What it? He cannot carry a fucking movie, man. I don't disagree with you. I don't movie. disagree with you based on the movies that he's done. I, oh, I think man. he could be really good in the right ensemble, and I think he even could carry a movie if it were the well, right kind of you've movie. You've never seen Teen Wolf two, then. yeah? Boom, boom, boom. But back to this film. That's the name of this, which episode, is no by Teen Wolf two. Yeah, noted. Um, I don't know. I, I still don't. I still don't walk away from it and change my opinion about Melissa McCarthy. I can't really judge. I don't think yeah. her at all from the film. There actually are a couple of really funny parts. I mean, and mainly her and them riff, riffing off of one another. Um, but definitely a, a, a stinker. Uh, pass on it. Yeah. If you catch it on TV or if you want to go grab a, a red box one day, Sheesh. maybe maybe for a couple laughs. Some people will find parts of it really funny, and I mean, I did laugh a few times, but genuinely at parts I could tell. They were completely just like improving off of one another, and, and and you could tell that even in their exchange, like it didn't some, it wasn't something that came off of a page, yeah. which is everything else in the movie that doesn't work in my opinion. But um, you know, it's it's coming out there to your uh, to your red boxes, to your DVD shelves. But I would probably pump the brakes and maybe go see Stoker, or maybe maybe go see the film that John's. Maybe not. I don't know. Going to yeah. talk about. All right. Yeah, the movie that I saw, uh, the new movie that I saw, uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. Um, I I have two different opinions about this movie and one of them is based on the fact that it was a it was a PG and I knew I could take my son and I could sit there and it was a good matinee for that purpose and he was into it and it wasn't too dark for him and it wasn't you know it wasn't too uh uh sort of whimsical for yeah, my taste. Yeah. Um and I you know Sam Raimi I was on board for that. Uh I I suspected I'm I'm you know I'm a fan of even though he like sometimes it's hard to figure out exactly what he's doing with his career, but he seems to be doing a lot of different things. I'm a fan of the way James Franco approaches things. I mean, he does seem to sort of sleepwalk through some of the roles that he plays. Um, and I won't say he was 100% effective in this, but uh, he did a pretty good job of the sort of like uh, Bruce Campbell's too old to play the hero in a Sam Raimi movie. We need another actor who can play that kind of character. Mm-hmm. And I thought right, James right. Franco did a good job with the sort of, he does a good job with the kind of smug, like, dolt. I mean, he's really sort of a, a, a <laughs> an unlikable character for much of the movie, but the movie mm-hmm. reminds that for comedy more so than trying to get a lot of pathos out of it. It's a little long. I mean, it's two hours and 10 minutes. It could probably be a little shorter than that. Um, it's not, you know, it, there's so many things about it that I I would think on paper I would just hate, like the fact that it takes place in that kind of candy coated CGI world. Mm-hmm. But it, this is not 
this is not Alice in Wonderland. This okay, is good, not good. Good. This is Alice not. The, this is not that. the mess that that was. The, well, primarily because the way that this movie looks, the kind of everything about it that could be taken as a criticism, uh, like the kind of, I mean, the acting is sometimes a little stagey, and the 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 blending between the 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 people in the backgrounds. I mean, you never question the fact that you're pretty much watching someone <laughs> in a, in a created environment. Mm-hmm. But if you just accept that CG, I mean, I, I I see bad CGI, I see good CGI. I don't judge it exclusively for being CGI. I mm-hmm. do kind of miss the days of them building more sets and the, the movie that this might have been in the old days where they would have actually had to be innovative and use matte paintings and, and sets. It might have had a, kind of a more magical look to it. But it, give, given that they now can show anything they want and they can use CGI to show anything, I thought this movie had some some nice visual imagination to it. Um the movie seems to be embracing its kind of corniness and like Franco's performance is full of that where he's just sort of the style of acting is a little bit uh, more old school, even though he kind of brings a little bit of that stoner dude thing he does to almost any movies that he's in. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's the kind of movie where I was really looking forward to hearing someone else who had seen it talk about it uh, who wasn't five years old right? <laughs> because I really wanted to know like what the general opinion was because I enjoyed it so much because Henry was there sitting next to me and he was... I just knew that it was he was able to get it, you know, sure. and I knew that he was going to be able to kind of like talk about it afterwards, and I knew that it was kind of pitched at his level, and I didn't feel too insulted by it. Um, part of me was really glad when I heard that it was doing well at the box office, just because I I don't think that it was a mistake. I don't think it was a misfire in a way that a lot of movies like this could be, like uh, you know, again like Alice in Wonderland. Sure. I don't think it was misconceived in that right. way. Uh, part of me, before I found out it was doing well, wanted to say that it was kind of like what John Carter was to me last year, which was a movie that really didn't try to do anything too innovative and really wasn't afraid to be corny and just kind of tried to do a like a a good job of telling a kind of story that you don't always see now but you know for everyone in it from Michelle Williams to Mila Kunis to uh Rachel Weisz they they all seem to be kind of embracing that kind of heightened aspect and none of them seem to think they're doing Shakespeare so like it's kind That's of cool. hard, it's kind of hard not to have fun with it i think visually there actually are some some digital characters that are really endearing like uh the monkey character that Zach Braff does the voice yeah. for, he's sort of like adorable and sweet and you kind of root for him. And, and I can't say that it does anything beyond that, but it's full of little things like that where there's, Oh, I like this character. He's the put upon sidekick. You've seen the put upon sidekick and you know, you've the, the smug pompous hero has a sidekick that he sort of abuses throughout the movie. That's not new, <laughs> right. but they do, they do a pretty good job of it. And I will say that that was, it was hard not to picture, Oh, if this was 20 years ago, this would be Bruce Campbell in this role. And, and, and James Franco definitely seemed to kind of play that, you know, that sort of buffoon, like Sam Raimi likes to get a, a hero and kind of knock him around, even in Drag Me to Hell. The, yeah, sure. the girl that was the lead in that, would, you know, was constantly getting hit on the head and knocked down and falling down. And so it, it has all those Sam Raimi touches. And I will say this, I did see it in 3D, and I, and the, the uh, there was, it it was a very gimmicky use of 3D. There's like a the lot hat of st- toss. A lot of stuff being loom. thrown yeah. into the camera. And mm. I, I've read people kind of criticizing that, but I feel like that's just one more aspect of the kind of corniness of this. Like I pictured that was one more thing that made Sam Raimi kind of probably giggle to himself while he was working on this because there's yeah. there's spear po- spears pointed at the camera. There's gold coins being thrown up. There's all kind of magical that stuff. That is like the, the most... Co- the gold coins thing and mm-hmm. the spear and all that yeah. stuff is... So common for 3D. It's but you crazy. feel them doing it in this with a little bit of a nudge, like a little bit of a, aren't we kind of having fun? It's kind of hard to get too excited about it. I mean, you kind of know from the trailer exactly yeah. what the movie is. So it, it sounds, the way you're describing it just sounds like Alice in Wonderland. It sounds like well, it's Well, the thing be with Alice in Wonderland, though, was misconceived in so many weird ways. Like, that movie was was 
was almost like hard to watch. And like the way that like Johnny Depp's character kind of takes over the yeah. the movie, it was just sort of excruciating. This is more fun. And the, yeah, if if you're making the face you're making right now, it's probably not the movie for you, you know? Yeah, it's just... I mean, I might just wait till it comes out on Blu-ray and just yeah. see it then, where it looks beautiful in my house. Yeah. I was reading a really interesting interview with uh, Sam Raimi and, and doing some more research. It was I was kind of shocked. Well, I guess maybe not shocked, but just surprised a little bit that during production there was actually you kind of referenced like the the ties between the the original you know the Wizard of Oz film from 1939, but like there was like a legal team on set like constantly. Yeah. Making sure because I think Warner Brothers owns that property still. Well, what it is, Warner Brothers owns certain things from that were not in right. the book. Right. So yeah, like the ruby slippers that's what in the I was book, they're at. silver slippers, right. and, and the ruby slippers are belong, and also the the exact shade of green, green and that the, the, the yellow really. swirl and Munchkin Land, yeah. like all that random shit that is iconic. Now that I I say that out yeah. loud and I read it, I'm like, oh my god, that's totally things I think about when I think about the Wizard of Oz. But they, they, there were people employed by Warner Brothers to be on set to make sure that legally they weren't copying those things. The and witch that turns out to be the wicked witch that we know from Wizard of Oz, when she turns into the sort of green-skinned witch, it's act, they actually had to make sure it's a different shade of green. Wow. And like Little the slippers like never come up. They don't, you know, and this, well, it's a different story. It doesn't have anything to do with Dorothy. Oh, yeah, yeah, so. but they never brought it. But the slippers, cool. like, and it's like, those are things that, it was interesting to me because I was a fan of the books when I was a kid, and... I thought it was interesting in a weird way, a little disappointing that they made this movie and they didn't necessarily, this really isn't pulled from the books. Like they actually invented a lot for this movie. I'll probably wind up seeing it. Well, I got a couple of quick cuts. I think we, I got to get through just because I don't, I don't want to wait to talk about these awful movies. Uh, sure. um, <laughs> I'm sort of tipping my hand. Um, I saw what might be the worst horror movie that I've ever seen. Uh, nobody gets out alive. Now, I was drawn to see it only because I saw ads for it on a lot of different movie sites and cu- pop culture sites that I go to. And it's just I thought to myself, you know, I've never clicked on one of those ads and actually watched the movie that they're advertising. Let mm-hmm. me you know, just see what, you know, there's sort of thought of like, well, maybe it's good. Maybe it's being advertised all over the place because it's good. Well, no, it's terrible. And as Steve said, it looked like a wet fart. I should have known. Um, should have known, John. Two things there. One is when you hear the phrase wet fart. You usually can see that coming. Well, what I'm wondering is, coming. what I'm wondering is, I have always. Now, this is a strange thing. Do you ever have one of those moments where you realize that you have, you're thinking of something weird, and you don't know if everyone else thinks of the same thing? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at Ronald. That's, oh. that's all day for you, right? <laughs> when you hear the phrase "wet fart," do you? And this, I'm really sorry for anyone that doesn't like toilet humor, but um, do you picture like a shart, or do you picture like? Because what I always picture is like a fart that you would have in a swimsuit. Like you've come out of the pool and you're wet, and the fart like. The wetness kind of traps it. Oh yeah, and it's more unpleasant. Kind of like it wafts up. It's, it's almost like, like it wafts slower. Versus mm. like a wet fart. Does it just mean you've got a dry situation and then the fart itself is liquid? Well, I think. I'm <laughs> sorry, Steve. When you <laughs> have I like, actually had this question in my head because what I, I pick, appreciate the thought that went into these yeah, options. When you have a case of what I like to call machine gun asshole. Yeah. See, but yeah. that's a different thing. We're talking about wet fart. The phrase wet fart. Yes, I think it's a shart. But but what it is is that shart that comes from like. Farting a, several times so in six, and something escapes. It is so, yeah. <laughs> something snuck out. When, when you're like, <laughs> that last one is like you you have some brownage. Yeah, and you know that if you were to, <laughs> if you know that if you were like gonna reach back to check it, you probably would regret it immediately. Right. Yeah, instant mud monster. It's best if I don't pants. see this until I'm at home and I can right, do something right. about it. <laughs> All right, I have access to things that would help me cleanse myself. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. really sorry that I cleared that up. 
because I just want to do that. But um, it's good that you did because we know to stay away from this film. Yeah, right. But no, this movie is terrible. Uh, the the um, there's the things that really stand out about it were the fact that it's it's a it's a revenge it's a slasher film where the killer is like getting revenge. You know, he's like the killer is has to get revenge on all teenagers because of something that happened because two drunk drivers killed his daughter. Oh man. On paper that looks bad, but let me explain to you the circumstances of this girl getting killed. Um she's playing hopscotch in the middle of the road. Well, I shouldn't say the middle of the road, in the middle of one lane of a two-lane highway. She's not in the driveway. She's not it's not like a country road, she's kind of on the side of the road. She's got her hopscotch, you know, court. What is that? A hopscotch Board block block what do you call uh, block the yeah like little board I don't know. yeah setup she's got her hopscotch squares uh-huh. drawn on the asphalt of one lane of a two lane highway like with two yellow stripes going down the right. middle of it and and she it's like a flashback I guess at the beginning because we're seeing the circumstances and she like stops and like smiles at her dad and her dad kind of he's like chopping wood in the front yard and he kind of stops and <laughs> smiles at her and then the drunk driving teens come along and hit her. Um, and it's so stupid. Like, it's one of those moments where it's funny. Like, you normally wouldn't laugh at a girl getting run over <laughs> right. by a car. But because she's out. like, A, she's 15. Oh, my God. She's, or she looks it. I don't yeah, know. Right, the actress right, right, is right. like a teenager. And over she's playing 10. hopscotch in she's the middle of the road. She's over 10 years old. See, I guess what I'm getting at is I don't think that it's necessarily that. I mean, the drunk driving teens were a problem. Yeah, But of you, anybody could have killed this girl. Right. <laughs> so it's like, it's almost, uh, it seems like he should be angry instead at young girls who play hopscotch in the middle of the road mm-hmm. and that should be who he's getting his vengeance on but instead it's all teenagers it's all teenagers and the movie really deserves your ire not just because it's bad but because it really seems to think that it's got a hold of something really scary there like it really you can tell that it's going for that kind of mm. that kind of sub texas chainsaw post hostile sort of like there's a few scenes where they're really trying to make you go yeah. oh this is unsettling but it's so like the acting is so bad and the writing uh, is so bad and the directing is so bad does a cheerleader get killed there is one uh you may do you even know this like no. one of the actresses who was so bad and so uh like injected looking really? I thought she was a porn star like there was one actress who I was looking at her the whole time and I was like <laughs> she just really has a porn weird. star look right, to right. Her. I, that, that she has, she's like bl- she's like blonde and she looks a little over 10 and she's definitely had some work done and those yeah. boobs are fake and I looked at Nikki Bell is her name she used to be a cheerleader so get the fuck out of here. A character like, played by a former cheerleader does get killed. Wow. And was there a guy with a varsity jacket? That happens in every bad scary movie. There's always a cheerleader, always a guy in a varsity jacket. Or a stoner. Yeah. Well, this one has the worst stoner character that you've ever seen. So there seen. is one. Oh, um there this one had the, the nice guy. I won't say he's the guy with the varsity jacket, but he's the nice guy. Like the mm. guy who like is out he's like the 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 hero girl. You know, there's a guy who she she might hook up with, and he's the nice guy. And then there's a couple of other guys who are sort of like your your horn dog guys. Mm-hmm. And then there's a kind of slutty girl, and then another girl who's not quite as slutty. You can imagine this movie's really breaking mm-hmm. down barriers left and right. No, it was it was awful, and I can't believe I felt ashamed that I actually watched it after we'd had the conversation where Steve you said, went back to it. Steve though. said, "Yeah, I said I could. The first five minutes were laughably bad, and then Steve said, oh, that looked bad.' And I was then I was like sitting down to eat something, and I thought, well, I might as well finish yeah, as well watching. Finish it. We need to find more things for you to do, John. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well. Um, I, I kind of thought, well, I'm going to watch a few horror films and just see, you did that a few weeks ago, just yeah. see what's out there. So I saw this movie. I don't recommend it to anyone. I would say if you do, if it ever is on Netflix and you do have one of those friends with whom you watch bad movies, this is a movie you could sort of laugh your way through and then fast forward through, but it's still even that like that life's too short to watch things that you know are going to suck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let me suffer for you. Don't go see 
or don't see. I don't think anyone's going to see. I don't know if any theater would play this film. Right. But don't, no matter what the circumstances are, play Nobody Gets Out Alive unless you, you're ready to really lock in for some shit because it is terrible. Sounds awful. I almost hate to kick a movie that no one thought would be good anyway. Right. But Hopscot, hopscotch in the street this makes me really feel I mean, that almost seems like they know what they're doing. That yeah, it's so bad. bad. That sounds bad. Another movie that was not very good that I saw was uh, uh, The ABCs of Death. It <laughs> just sounds awful. Well, it's two hours of little five-minute shorts. So it's 26 about five-minute shorts oh. in a string. And the whole thing about the... Like, the the whole idea is that each letter of the alphabet is represents a word that then this short goes, you know, is based around that word, and that word has something to do with death or not. But usually the, the theme of every short is just somebody dying in some strange way. And there are some really weird ones, and there are some really gross ones. And part of me really wants to say that I was into it because it was such a grab bag. Uh, but, you know, it, it was more unpleasant and gross and unsettling than it was really, like, fun to watch. And then there were some that really were trying to be funny and very bizarre. I don't know how far you made it into it, but did you make it I into it? I think I made it to like F. <laughs> okay. Did you see the one with the with the farts? No. Oh. No. We Yeah. <laughs> there's one that's like an extended fart joke that is so bizarre. And then there's some really gross I mean, it's it's it really tries to go out of its way to unsettle you in some ways, but it's also so juvenile. Like it it the same segment will be juvenile and and based around some you know really stupid idea but then it will also have some incredibly disgusting visual in it so it's yeah. like part of me wants to admire the kind of tonal weirdness of it but oh it's 26 directors but it's just not a very pleasurable experience and yeah each letter and it's, the director did each oh man it marks sense. it marks the end of my good faith towards a certain horror director <laughs> Ty West. Oh, there it is. It's Ooh. over between me and Ty West. Wow. It's which, because which because we're getting the innkeepers well, out of your queue. Well, no, I still, you know, I loved <laughs> House of the Devil. I really like the innkeepers. And then he twice now has put in an entry into an anthology mm -hmm. that felt really tossed off, like he didn't give a shit. Yep. And and his segment of ABCs of Death might be the worst. Which one is it? Segment. It's there's a, it's a really short one where a woman has like has to do with a. I don't even want it's M. I don't think you made it that far. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It really Just in is. Case I wound up seeing it. Really, I mean, but it, it's like when I realized that it was his, I was. I, yeah. I, I don't have any of his movies on DVD, but I would have like taken them off the shelf really? and put them in storage or something like that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I don't think that he's a phony. I don't think that the what I like about his his films is necessarily invalidated. Like realistically, until he puts out another movie that he wrote and directed, I can't really say. But. I feel like in a weird way, it irritates me more that he would be in a project like, I mean, my thought would be if I was going to be in an anthology with all these other directors, I would try to bust my ass to think of something yeah. so innovative and yeah. so unique. And it almost seems like the there's a certain, I mean, I'm totally projecting, but there's almost like a pomposity involved in not putting your best foot forward when you're doing this kind of project. Like it really felt like he totally, like the thing for ABCs of Death felt totally tossed off. And then the thing he did for um, VHS, VHS had a decent beginning but went nowhere and realistically at the end of that movie even though there may have been a worse segment i think the segment that was worse at least had some ambition or felt like people that were trying to do something, something and his yeah. segment felt like again yeah. just you know whatever so now the cover of this is so you're on notice ty west cover of this is a grim reaper reading uh i guess the abcs of death to a baby 
that's, that's just intently looking at this book of death. Worst fucking cover I've ever seen for a horror film. <laughs> you got to learn those ABCs early. <laughs> it looks so bad. Yeah. It's, it's a really bad concept for a cover of something. I'm looking at some of these screenshots. Uh, some of them look like Saturday Saturday morning cartoon clips, some of them. This one in particular. Even the really dumb ones, though, there's something in them that is like annoyingly disturbing like even when you're watching it going this is really dumb i shouldn't be watching this there's still one moment that makes you cringe and Uh, so in that sense it's it's i don't know it it, there's a couple of segments that would be worth pointing out once you guys have seen it maybe we'll come back to it because there's a couple of segments that are worth maybe talking about but even those are like more notable for how how awful and gross they are than they really are for like oh that was a good idea well executed so I wish I could be more enthusiastic. And then the other movie I saw, I think Steve saw recently too, oh, yeah. which is uh, All the Boys Love Mandy Lane. What did you think of that? You know, I, there were moments that I really enjoyed. And I think from a from a uh, quality standpoint, like there's, it was, you know, pretty well shot and the decent actors. And like even the stereotypical characters, there's a few twists and turns as far as who the characters are. I didn't love it. And I didn't see it as like a reinvention of anything, but as far as slasher films go, it had a couple of moments that have stuck with me, uh, like, like particularly with how unhinged it gets very near the end. It actually reminded me of uh, Scream 4 in a weird way, just in that when you get to the end, like mm-hmm. the movie has a mean-spiritedness to it yep. that, that, that gets a little uglier than you thought maybe it would even get. And it's, in a horror movie, and I don't always want movies to be that way, but I think sometimes in a horror movie it's nice to see one that is going to go there, you know? Right. With with uh, with regards to the particularly the climax of the movie is just it's like it's got kind of a dark humor to it that that I won't say I wasn't expecting but the whole movie it, it, there's something it's got something going for it right from that first scene where the guy goes to jump into the pool I mean there's just these weird I think it did well when it was playing with those kind of relatable scenarios that could go haywire once it turned into kind of more of a straight slasher film I don't know if it really if yeah, it really, it well. if it really worked as well, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, the weird thing about this is, I actually saw it a few years ago, and I think we're bringing it up because it was announced recently that it's going to actually get a release finally. Yeah, this summer. It's what six years or something? Seven years. Seven I think two thousand six is when it was made. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this John wow. Levine uh, before he did. Um, and it actually 50, was, a, wasn't it like a festival success? Yeah, like that, it, that's what I was going to say. Like, actually, most it was pretty well received when it was making the festival rounds multiple times. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it, I, I think a lot of it does work, but, um, when it does get into the slasher pieces, I think it kind of maybe feels a little more conventional. Um, I mean, like, but I mean, like even with the sort of stereotypical characters, like there's a bitchy girl character mm-hmm. that you have seen in a million movies like this, but even she has like aspects to her and levels to her that are sort of unexpected. And then like the way, like she has her little friend that she's always picking on. She's always commenting on her weight and talking yeah. about, and her friend's really not fat. I At mean, all. little things like yeah. that, that showed that the movie kind of knew what it was doing, which I, which I do say like, I, of those three horror films that I saw, this was clearly the, the best crafted and the most, you know, sure. oh, yeah. the most like a real movie. I did, I did like it actually. Like I, I, I would recommend it to fans. Oh, like I could totally I, see sitting down. Yeah. Like we've talked before about those buddies you would watch horror films with. Yeah, this would this totally be one, one totally. I would put on. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's finally coming out. This, I think the Weinstein companies, <laughs> the radius arm that they have for like the other genre films, that's finally coming out. Whether it'll do anything, I don't know. Yeah, I think maybe the the awareness of it is, is probably because of uh, what's it called? Hearts, um, warm bodies, warm bodies. Yeah, like that was his most recent film. Yeah. Um. But yeah, all the boys love Mandy Lane. I'll count myself amongst those boys. Oh God. 
Amber Heard, man. Well, God, Amber I watched Heard. the Playboy Club like every episode of that. I watched it, so I, I followed her a little bit. She's she's actually a pretty good actress. Mm, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, sure. Did you see the Playboy Club? Yeah, I've seen some episodes. She's decent in it. Okay. Just think about all the. <laughs> no, you're just gonna do that until I fucking keep talking. But you, nah. you know that there's a lot of bad actresses. I don't dislike her. You know, honestly, she was actually pretty good in a movie called The Joneses. Did you ever see that? No. no. David Duchovny and uh, Demi Moore. I think I remember. Where they that. work for like a marketing company where they basically move from town to town and they're like the Joneses that everybody's trying to catch up with. They basically are employed by a company. I heard about to that. Like wear the brands and use the golf clubs and drive the cars that. It's a part of a company's marketing budget to have this family use their stuff. And she plays one of the daughters really? of, of this team of Joneses. And, it, and actually, she's really good in that movie. Mm-hmm. But um, Mandy Lane, she's she's just the girl that everybody wants. And that's all mm-hmm. she really has to play. But mm-hmm. I think you I think you'd actually like Mandy the the film, Ronald. You think I'd like, like it? Yeah, I'll check it out. Some some of some of the horror kind of movies that I feel like you've gotten into, even though they're not always your go-tos. Like, mm-hmm. I think I think there's a lot there. Enough there, at least, to take away from, like, those, like, stereotypes. Kind of like, like not, not exactly like, but kind of how Cabin in the Woods kind of played into some of the stereotypes a little bit. Right. But there was still something that went, like, a little past it or, or, or pulled back a little bit from that stereotype that you could kind of, like, see it a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't even really say this movie had a concept like that. But I do th- there is something no, no, about it yeah. that feels different from the first scene. Like, there's just something about it that feels like it's a slightly more... Character-based yeah. movie. Yeah, check it out. This summer, obviously. I yeah, wouldn't yeah, recommend absolutely. any illegal I'll, means of seeing this film. I'll wait all the way until the summer just, to see this. The, the phrase, rotting cows. <laughs> oh, God. Just remember that, Ronald. Yeah, just oh, remember goodness. that phrase. Yeah, I will. When you get to that scene, you'll say to yourself, this is one of those moments when John thought, okay, this is, this is something I haven't seen before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Well, we I'll have check. we have really we have really we've really run out the clock tonight. Wow, mm-hmm. guys, well done to both of you. Mm-hmm. This is what happens, folks, when we skip a week. Yeah, we have we, so much to talk we, about. We have to catch up. We have I, topics I, not even related to the movies that we've seen we need <laughs> to discuss that take up the majority of our podcast. Yeah, I'm going to set myself the task this week of actually watching at least three, hopefully three. Maybe mm-hmm. I won't get to three, but I want to watch great movies that everyone seems to think are great that I haven't seen. Oh, that's a really good idea. Like, there's a few movies out there that I've read about a million times, and I just want to see them. So I, next week, hopefully, when we get together to talk, I will not be saying I saw ABCs of Horror uh, or something, gotcha. or ABCs of Death, uh, or something that is that I knew was going to be shit. This is a movie called... It. I hope that next week I'll be saying that I saw... Like, even if I didn't like them, at least I'll be able to, to you know, add my voice to the... There's this movie called Your Highness that is universally accepted as one of the best comedies in the past couple of years. <laughs> I don't think I that's think true. Ch- <laughs> I think you should check out. <laughs> don't you lie to me, Ronald. What a I'm bad fragile right now. Movie, I'm fragile. By the way. But, yeah, that's a good idea, man. I, I, if you if you pick them out and it's something I haven't seen, why yeah. don't we just... I'll let you know when I, yeah. when I start watching them. Sure. Because you know those movies that you just read references to and you feel like you've seen them because you just agree they're great. And then you're like, well, A, what if I don't like them? But B, why am I watching shit when there's supposedly great stuff? To yeah. Seen, so. I feel like one that comes to mind that I don't love that everyone seems to love, and it's more recent, but is Avatar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my friend no, loves I, Avatar. I wouldn't even so. put that on the list of ones that people seem to love, but maybe there's a, maybe a lot of people do. I just didn't I, yeah, talk to I those people. Like, I feel like most people I know, like friends of mine, yeah. and I mean... I guess at least industry-wise, it's like a beloved film for what it did for, you know, for, I guess, effects in the box office, obviously. But when I saw it when it first came out, and even watching it, 
afterwards. I don't know. That's one of the more recent ones that comes to my mind. I have to do some well, We were talking research. about maybe doing an episode soon where we will talk about those movies that we have seen yeah. that we don't think live up to the hype about them. I think that'll be yeah, a pretty interesting. That. that sounds fun. Right. Yeah. For sure. But that's another day. That's another we day. We need to cut this guy yeah, this right day, now. This day is almost This over. is it. We're actually into mm-hmm. the next day, I think. <laughs> uh, but this has been episode 65 of Movie Schmovie. Um, hit us up, movieshmovie.net, movieshmovie at gmail.com. Or just keep listening to us through iTunes or Mixcloud, whatever you prefer. Um, on behalf of Ronald and John, thank you guys so much for continuing to listen through 65 episodes. Thanks. And uh, as always, you've made our day. Bye. Take care. That was 65. Ah! Bye-bye! Ah!